When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Dave, we've had an exciting past uh, few shows, man. I mean, we've been, you know, having a lot of guests, which is nice. Talking to guests about movies, getting different perspectives. Yeah, I get so bored talking to you about movies. It's good to get some new blood in here, some new perspectives. So, yeah, <laughs> yes. there's been some, a great string of shows uh, letting it being driven really by the guest. Right. We allow them to choose the film. And uh, and we we talk through it, so yeah, it's been great. Exactly, and they they basically host the show. You know, they do all the work. You know, that's all we need. Um, that's all the prep. <laughs> um, so uh, today, uh, excited to uh, welcome comedian and host uh, co-host of the Top Ten Show with John Roca. Uh, you can find it on. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. We have Matt Nose with us. Matt, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate that Dave is wearing merch from his own show, so that's a nice touch. <laughs> Got to promote, man. <laughs> but guess what? That's better than a Pistons t-shirt. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's got to be the worst Pistons. fandom in NBA. Uh Unless we're in like 1990, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. What are you What are you basing this on? Is this the the ball or the brawl in the palace or the palace malice? Are we talking about that? Are we talking about Malice at the Palace is, is fine in my book. I had zero <laughs> problem. You know, don't throw stuff at that. They're human beings. I right. just really fault our test for going. Oh, well, fuck, fuck me, fuck right. you, and just going. On. <laughs> There were a couple, a couple people, a couple civvies that just got clocked. Oh man, yeah, Jermaine O'Neal, he totally destroyed a couple of our fans. Even uh, Stephen Jackson, oh. that was insane. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And then Stephen Jackson, there was somebody, uh, somebody running up on the court on bench side on their bench. He just turns and boom, just takes the dude's head off. <laughs> I think that was the Jermaine O'Neal one. Yeah, was that, that the Jermaine O'Neal? He like came just running. And I don't know how that guy's, I don't know if he's alive, if he's, you know. turned around or something. <laughs> yeah, it was almost as bad as the Tom Janovich. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, but I, I have, I have my... I have my Tampa hat on, so you know I'm representing. You know both. Uh, you got to pick a city, buddy. I know, I know, I do. Well, yeah, it's also hockey, so who really gives a shit? Let's <laughs> You'd be surprised the fandom here for for the Lightning. Uh, yeah, well, because they're good right now. When, when they're, they're not good. when they're not good, it's you know it's it, non-existent. I say yeah. They always say that NHL games like the live crowd packs out and they're the best. I mean, yeah. the Kings do well here. I've seen them down there numerous times. Yeah. For yeah. us, I think it's a fantasy. I've seen the fans, but yeah, yeah, right. Oh, they sell out every game here. But I think you know, warm weather people they like to they like to pretend they're in a, like a you know an ice place, and right? Pack in, <laughs> and so it's like a little little break from reality. I think. <laughs> exactly. Now I know you're you're a Bulls fan, right? We don't have much to brag about over you over the past few years. And that's fine. The past past few years, no, but you know, you got the the huge legacy. I mean, I know yeah. you've probably talked about this on on your show, but uh, I mean, you had to have been gushing over the Last Dance. <laughs> I, I wanted. I knew almost all of that. 
There was right. anything really hugely revel- revelatory didn't come from that. I read it in books years ago or firsthand accounts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was nice to relive it, but it was bittersweet, man. I mean, it's been been a long time since that run. Yeah. And it's been up and down and up and down. And uh, But I still like our future better than yours. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, too. I do, too. So don't worry about that. Um, don't worry, folks. We're going to get away from sports in a minute. But I, since you're a basketball guy, I want to get your... I don't want to go too far. Yeah, from go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. I, feel, I feel your segue, you know, like Pulp Fiction. I feel your look. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the segue. I want to stay on the last dance for a second. Uh, Michael Jordan's a hell of a... That's a hell of a personality, isn't he? Like a one in a trillion. I mean, the guy's like, you know... Uh, I, I met I, I met this guy one day and he you know did shake my he gave me a weird handshake and I really took it personal and I was it was my mission to destroy him. <laughs> it's like the guy uses everything to just just personally psychologically beat people you know or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but to be that good at any sport, everybody has their own way of trying to psych themselves up. <laughs> yeah. Jack's story where he created a fake beef with beef with uh, David Robinson. Mm-hmm. So Robinson was arguably the nicest guy that maybe has ever played the game. And right. Shaq made up a story that he would tell himself that was a lie. But he told he told Robinson, it's like, basically, F you, because when I was a kid, I tried to get your autograph and you stiffed me. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> so then he would use that as motivation to go at Robinson. He told him, I think, you know, maybe years later or something. But that was the beef. And I think Robinson, more than likely, the whole time was like, There's, I've signed every autograph. <laughs> I'm the nicest guy. Uh, but yeah, whatever so, it takes, I guess, yeah. to get motivated at that level, man, you know, you do what you do. That story is so funny because it only speaks to how nice of a guy David Robinson. That's not even really that big of a slight, you know, so he didn't sign me out. That just only says how 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 good he really is that he actually goes out and signs everybody's autographs. Well, <laughs> yeah, the real thing. ones are like uh, Kevin Garnett and Carmelo just saying Honey Nut Cheerios to her. And if you don't know that story... You know, maybe they, people should look it up. It's a yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's let's look it up. And then, real quick on the basketball subject, do you want to ask uh, what what are your thoughts on them coming back from quarantine? You know, twenty two teams coming back, all playing in Orlando. Are you excited for this? What uh, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, I think I like the twenty team scenario better personally, and I also like the World Cup doing groups. And having the groups have to fight it, just mix it up. This is one year where you could do whatever you wanted to yeah. right? and try and expand. Maybe we like it. Just like then now the end of All-Star Game, I thought that was dumb until I watched it. And I was like, this is riveting. Right, yeah, definitely, yeah. Take a chance this year. But, yeah, Washington does not deserve to be in the playoff, even in the hunt whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Better than anything else the East has to offer. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they'll be around for long, so I, I don't think we have to worry too much about that. But, no, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, what's interesting is, though, so the Disney employees don't have to adhere to the guidelines that everybody else that's NBA affiliated. So there's still a damn good chance that Corona, you know, makes its way into one of these teams. No, definitely. I mean, it, you, the spikes in Florida right now, like they're huge. Like it's increasing every day again now. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if like I could see this eventually being canceled again because of the spikes that are happening right now, which I really don't want to happen. But <laughs> it's uh, just the reality right now. Well, I thought they were going to. Aren't they doing empty arenas or? Well, they are. But yeah. I'm just saying, though, I mean, they're, all these players are in Florida. Yeah, they're, right. They're yeah. still going to, I'm sure, go out somewhere, you know, where they can 
you know, be among people and, uh, you know, just takes one guy to get it and then the whole team has it. <laughs> well, health risks aside, though, entertainment value. Have you guys seen sports without spectators? It's really, really bad. That's... I came across an ESPN thing. It was like some South Korean baseball and it was I, I, it was five minutes. I, I was like, I, I'll blow my brains out for how boring this <laughs> is. So even even NBA, even your team without the crowd. I mean, I think the crowd is is almost like I don't know fifty at least fifty percent of the enjoyment right. of, of watching sports. You know that rise of rise in, when they when they're booing, when they're cheering, right. when someone hits a three or something like that. Well, for the players and also for the people watching at home, because I mean, for the players, you know, it's got to be. A crazy difference, but I guess for the people watching at home, I've heard rumors that they're going to add type in some yeah, aud- like audience <laughs> oh, audience on. sounds from the NBA 2K video game. Oh my yep. god! <laughs> I think they should play in an empty arena. I think that's a yeah. better. I mean, don't don't try and make it artificial. You know, organically right. Bundesliga, and it's fine without a crowd. Oh, it is okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, baseball is already boring, and if you take out <laughs> true. Yeah. the random energy the crowd gives you, it's just going to make it worse. Uh, you know, uh, another thing I have to ask before we segue into <laughs> the master basketball to the master. Um, uh, you know, I know you. You know, you do stand up comedy and all that. I mean, how has it been in quarantine for a stand up comic? Are you Are you finding that you're writing more material? What's uh, What's What's life like for a stand-up comic right now? Well, who knows when real performance is coming back, so it's just a weird hiatus that doesn't exist. Because um, in California, it's going to be 2021 before you can open up any of the bigger clubs. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, yeah, otherwise, what? You're going to sit them six feet apart, and that, <laughs> you know, so you're doing shows yeah. for 20 to 50, 60 people, I guess, but... How much you got to charge them to make it viable for the electricity, the wait staff, the overhead of the food, the you know everything else? It's like I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something they're gonna have to. <laughs> I mean, it, not much you can do about it right now. I mean, it's just the way of the world right now, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, it's insane. Yeah, uh, but we're here to escape with a movie, <laughs> uh, a very uh, intense movie, um, The Master. Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. We got Amy Adams, uh, even Ra- Rami Malek uh, makes an uh, appearance in this. The surprise. Uh, Jesse Plemons. Uh, <laughs> Laura Dern. Dern, man. Yeah, that's just. I love that role for Laura Dern. I mean, we'll get to this, but it's just a perfect Laura Dern role, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, now, I, you know, I gave you a list of films, uh, Matt. Uh, now, I don't know if just the rest of the films sucked or <laughs> you didn't the, like any yeah. uh, I'm just curious you know obviously we'll get into the details of the film but we're just curious you know what uh, yeah. we want to well, know your thought process well why <laughs> why'd you choose the master because uh, I I love everything called Thomas Anderson by and large yeah. and yeah. scan that list you had the phantom thread as well and you know I don't get to talk about his movies as often as you do about superhero films or action films or rom-coms or just the bread and butter stuff. Whereas I don't even know how to technically describe this movie. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's- it's a drama, but it's a slice of life. What is it actually about? Like there's all these different layers and whatnot. It's, it's thought provocative. What I like about Paul Thomas Anderson it takes one thing and then you can apply it 
in different ways and trying, you know, it's, he's just an interesting filmmaker and uh, yeah. yeah, don't unfortunately get to talk about him. I mean, we both, John and I try and squeeze him in as much as possible, but right. numerous well, times within a month. That's it's so to the point because we had John on and he chose <laughs> there will be blood. <laughs> so each of you chose a PTA film to come on here. Uh, so maybe you do need to work in his, his films and in, in your show a little bit more. You guys are looking for a release valve. But there will be blood comes up because it fits into more things over and over again. You could call it an epic if you want to, just given the size and scope of the landscape and the breadth yeah. of time. You can call it like various different things. Whereas Master, like because it's not technically L. Ron Hubbard, you can't really do unless you do a fictional history. Right. Uh, I was going to call it a Scientology movie, but it's not really, but kind of. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they draw parallels too, but it's not a direct, you know, translation of his life. Right. Yeah. But it's still yeah. interesting as all hell. I was watching this movie again, and I. I you know, was scared to do the show because of how <laughs> like it's, you know, it's, it's very complicated and very, you know, up for interpretation, but that's what we love having fun with is trying to interpret these things and trying to, you know, kind of analyze them and, and see what, uh, what, what, what was Paul Thomas Anderson trying to say here? Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's going to be uh, fun to get into. Um, now are you a Joaquin Phoenix guy? Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, who <laughs> yeah, it's tough to find something that he's done that I don't like outside right. of like parenthood. I'm not the biggest fan of, but that's not his fault. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a good movie, but I don't go back to rewatch it because it's depressing to me. It's a very, yeah, it's a very depressing movie. It is. Everybody's storyline is like, they're all going through it's real life, but it's like, fuck man. It's a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, with uh, with with this movie, I mean, obviously we have uh, Joaquin Phoenix playing uh, Freddie Quill, uh, who's a Navy veteran just coming home from World War II, uh, and we right away get to see <laughs> uh, what this guy's all about. Uh, first of all, he's he's very horny. He's an uh, animal. Yeah, he he, he he is absolutely an animal. And he's we'll, going to town on that. That, that sand sculpture, <laughs> I mean, making sure she she knew what was going on there. <laughs> yes, and then yeah, that's where we get the you know first uh, kind of jack off scene uh, with uh, into the ocean, just, buddy. Yeah, just right know. into the ocean, you know, that no big deal. Itself. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Uh, but <laughs> no but what, I mean, what do you what, uh, these? First of all, I got to jump right to these concoctions he makes. You know, with the with the. Uh, I, I, fuel? Like, is he using t- torpedo fuel in yeah. that first? Matt, scene? I'd like to know what you think of this. Just the first, I've seen this movie maybe three, four times, maybe even more partially, and I don't know what's with the drinking of the chemicals. <laughs> it still, it still, shock surprises me every single time. Do you, do you ever read on this? What this? If this is, is it just bizarre? I don't know. What that someone's drinking chemicals? Gasoline. Yeah. No, because, I mean, you read stories about people that huff gas or they drink this, that, the other. I mean, think of the guys that are trying to cook up their newest version of meth right now. Right? <laughs> yeah. Failed out of high school and suddenly you have a chemistry degree. Uh, so it's not. And when you think of how many people join the Navy, especially for a cause like that, you're going to have a wide spectrum of personalities. Yeah. So, you know, look, <laughs> to get high in some regard, you found <laughs> Instead of drinking turpentine or paint thinner or whatever else he needed, he's taking <laughs> fuel from 
God knows what, mixing it together, <laughs> diluting it with some water and drinking that up. Yeah, and when he was a photographer, he was drinking whatever the uh, the developing fluid Yeah, the is. developing just, Really, stuff, any like, chemical I can get my hand on, just you know, throw yeah. it down and see what happens. Yeah, that has an nerd. alcohol fucking element to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume that uh, because the, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character gets kind of drawn into this concoction, as well as the potion, as he calls it, um, I, my assumption is that there's some hallucinogenic effect. It's not just drunk. It must, because, I mean, it literally is a poison <laughs> right. on some yeah. level, just as alcohol is, too. I mean, right. it, it, and it does make you feel a certain way. So this must be some, it must give you some other kind of, some other kind of high that you don't get from, you know, like, just drinking right. or something like that. Now, I did hear uh, an interview, I think it was on Mark Maron's podcast with Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, he added that, I think, because he heard of a friend of his dad's that used like paint thinner or something, and he would like actually drank paint thinner, uh, something like that. I, I, I might have the details a little wrong there, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where that uh, came from. But yeah, I just I, I can't imagine that. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I can barely take down whiskey, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, then um, and also we always we start with always in these Paul Thomas Anderson films some anxiety inducing score yeah. right just some thing that just sets you on edge you know just like there will be blood a little bit I think I, I'm not exactly sure how Phantom Thread started which I love that movie by the way Matt that started with an elaborate score yeah, yeah just something that's just getting you in a weird headspace you know so I love that yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I mean, he's, you know, Navy man, gets out of the Navy, he's going through what I call now processing after, you know, going through the Philip Seymour Hoffman stuff and everything, you know, the guys are showing him. He's like, ah, oh, that looks like a, <laughs> looks like a pussy. That looks like, like a, yeah, <laughs> dick, doing the know. Rorschach test. Right. <laughs> everything. That looks like a dick going into a pussy. That just right. like a dick. <laughs> I got to admit, it kind of did. <laughs> the last one? Yeah. Oh, look, you can make it look like whatever you want to, but that one, it's like, yeah, I guess it's a dick, but it's a dick. Yeah. And in a weird way, I think it actually did tie into the story because I think there, it is saying something about suggestion and putting things into your mind in a way, and I, and, and, and that we'll see that later on. You know, well, yeah, the I mean, with the, yeah, yeah, the, the processing, <laughs> processing scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, you know, it's... Definitely a juxtaposition with that. I mean, it's, you know, he's processing with the Navy people and then he's processing with him. Um, but obviously, we I mean, we have a lost soul here. I mean, he's now has a job after he goes to processing with uh, uh, photography at like a old Macy's or a mall or something like that. Um, and that's like you said, he, he gets concoctions uh, from that. Um, There's a little bit of... That relationship with that girl, yeah, yeah, it was which, the, like a walking model, right, sort of thing, which I thought was cool. I'd never seen that before, <laughs> uh, like in reality. You know, I've only seen it in that movie. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, and they kind of like they're gonna hook up or whatever, and they're gonna they go out to dinner, and he's passed out. Yep, you know, just can't handle his stuff, and then yep. he's taking that picture with for that one guy. And I don't even know what sets him off. He starts moving the lights into his face, and then it's just like a brawl in the, in the store. It's like, what the hell is happening here? Well, uh, if you pay attention, you listen in the background, you can hear a baby screaming. And I think yeah. that's what starts to like kind of set him off a little bit. And the movies, it looks, you could look at it from, from or through one prism that he's searching for a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a tribe of his own and every person that he takes a picture of is 
their families and they have this nuclear unit that he's looking for. So maybe it's just he couldn't deal with another one of these guys that has in his eyes a perfect life and there's a baby crying in the background. He doesn't have his own shit and he just kind of snaps. Well, yeah, that's interesting too, actually. Now that I think about it, I mean, you have that guy. He's a lone guy because, I mean, the other pictures were, you know, uh, three kids and then a couple. Uh, you know, it's always people together. And then you got this lone man here who, you know, is taking a picture and he kind of he kind of snaps at that. And then when he gets to that, uh, I don't know what they're cutting, like cabbage ca- cabbage field. Is that yeah. what, what that was? Looks like they look like heads yeah. of cabbage or something. Um, and he's, you know, giving drinks to this one guy and he says, you know, you, you look like my dad, like he's trying to get a connection, you know, with this guy, but he's just like, no, I'll just drink your potion and, <laughs> and, you know, not, not worry about you. Um, so uh, to, yeah, to Matt's point too, is that is interesting about the whole idea. Uh, cause that's one of the questions that Philip Seymour Hoffman asked him was just that this idea of envy. That was one of the one, one of the first questions during the processing. So is did that. And he, uh, of course, he's you know in denial and says no. So that that would make sense that he's seeing, he's observing this almost. Well, he's in this like picturesque uh, department store where people are everything is beautiful and nice and calm, and he just can't take it because he knows he just doesn't fit in. It like just it, it gnaws at him, and he knows he doesn't belong here. And seeing the people sort of living a normal life that he can't really live. That yeah, can't relate to. Doesn't understand how you achieve that. The, and the processing questions, they all, by and large, fit him to a T as if and had sized him up already. And you could tell, like, okay, he's more guttural. He's, uh, I, you can make certain assumptions about the guy and kind of feel it out and see if you're right. But some of those, those questions were so incisive. Like, uh, have you ever slept with uh, a family member? Have you ever killed someone? No. <laughs> He's going to get the answer that he wants to try and draw him in and create this sense of trust uh, between the two of them. And it's what keeps coming up over and over and over is like they are, they seem to be uh, uh, bodies like a uh, satellite orbiting one another. Yeah. Right. Likes Freddie and he can, you know, Hoffman, uh, you know, science, L. Ron Hubbard, I can't remember the character's name, has the ability to alienate those around him. He, he wins them back over with charisma. Uh, Dodd, I believe it is, right? Sorry. Yeah, the two of them are... Lancaster Dodd. Sorry. Lancaster Dodd. They just, they just have a certain gravity between the two of them that nobody else really does within the movie. Yeah. Right, and then that's, uh, you know, that's... You know, they have this connection, as you were saying. You know, they have this some sort of, you know, almost like telepathic in a way even though that's more like et you know that's <laughs> yeah, like El- elliot and et you well know? you sleep with a family i was like oh yeah actually i slept with my aunt she looked she looked good i, I, I was drunk but she looked good <laughs> you know i've been there <laughs> uh, but but yeah like you said i mean there's definitely something something there i mean you even have uh uh hoffman saying you know I've met you before, you know, I know you before. So there's this theme of, you know, a different, you know, obviously it ties into, you know, the whole religion slash cult, you know, that he's forming. Uh, but this theme of your past life, your past, you know, uh, we, we can, we can tap into the past and everything like that. Uh, so, I mean, that, 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 that keeps coming up throughout the film. Yeah. So maybe this is a good time. Because uh, I was thinking about this watching the movie, is to just to ask both of you <laughs> what you think of this concept. This is the idea that we are spirits 
and you know our bodies is you know going along with the, the thesis of Lancaster Dodd, whether he whether he believed it or not, I assume he was genuine, but that we are these bodies that inhabit these immortal spirits that are ancient and have lived, you know, whatever flowery language you want to use from galaxies away. Do you guys, does this comport with any of your life beliefs or does it sound like bullshit or something close to the truth? I'm sure this thought must have crossed your mind when you're watching, as you watch this film uh, over and over now. I mean, like if, if that, if believing in that helps you be, be a good person, then by all means, believe whatever you'd like to. I don't really uh, care because yeah. so you could say it's re, re, a variation of reincarnation. Essentially, yeah. But this is one spirit. Instead of uh, attaining the highest level of being eventually, this one is you need to free yourself from the Thetans, their version of the Thetans or whatever it is. These people from trillions of years ago that enslaved all of us, our souls within our bodies. Like, I, right. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. No. It's but but I'm saying I mean I'm not asking you to to, to like uh, like prove whether the, like the religion is correct but what do you I mean do do you believe do you guys have any sense of spirituality do you think this is do you ever have these thoughts because sometimes I do I'm not saying I believe in this but I'll, I'll say that you know I mean I think they chose a perfect actor with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman because he's so uh, charismatic and uh, and uh, convincing that it's like. Oh, it has maybe, an appeal, right? Right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, well, okay, I, I, I can see what you. It makes you feel you, important. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, uh, to a degree, I mean, I think that's what a lot of you know re- religions do is you know tell tell you what you want to hear and you know try to comfort you and everything like that. I'm not saying anything against that or anything. <laughs> right. Um. But uh. But yeah. I mean, that's kind of what he's doing. And I think yeah. Again, Philip uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, man, he's just he's great. This was a perfect uh casting for 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 this role because he's just uh you know something about him uh is just uh enthralling but i think that story to to your point uh matt is that uh, people do get comfort in this story this is okay now my life makes sense okay so i was this person and i have that one lady she what does she think she was uh some royalty or something yeah some years past that's always what it is, though. My <laughs> yeah, previous life, I've never heard of. I was a janitor. Like yeah. you never That's hear those stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's I was fucking, actually a murderer in another yeah, life. I was a rapist. <laughs> yeah, it's never anything along those lines. It's like, okay, well, you know, whether or not it's true, I couldn't tell you, uh, and I'll never know the answer to that question. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, whatever the, the case may be, but what I find would, to, to your point of Hoffman being such a good casting is I have always been inquisitive of how do those individuals start and then how do they lure more people in and how do they grow this where you, you created a religion out of nowhere and managed to get, like, you know, being around uh, uh, Smith, uh, what is it, uh, is it Adam Smith, the creator of Mormonism? Uh, Joseph, I believe. Joseph Smith, there you go. Or John Smith, something. Or John. Joseph or John. It's a J. You, you could tell <laughs> me any name and you can Oh, I got so much hate here. Yeah. Oh you can tell me any name and I'd believe you. <laughs> but, but it's just like, how, how, since you started, you created, you found the New Testament and people went, okay. Just like, how does that begin? Where does, where, show me. So then you see someone like, right. Austin, and it's like, dude, he is magnetic and charismatic. The bad things that come, like the guy that questions him he, he, yeah. he, that, party oh that scene yeah yeah it's uncomfortable for everybody and they just want it to end uh and you know hoffman just commands that room to such a degree 
Yeah, you think he might have gotten destroyed by, you know, like some kind of a like a rationalist sort of line of questioning, but he isn't. He he stands his ground. And you know, because that because and I guess maybe good, just to go back a bit about, you know, are we not to say something about the Phaetons or whatever, but because the, the other answer is if there is no spirituality, then you're just it's just pure materialism and we're just these we're just these beings that live and die and that's it. And so that's not all that reassuring either so and that's what makes someone who can tell you to give you that other way of thinking you know it does have that appeal and even under even under rational attack um it can still withstand it there's just i mean obviously because we've had we have religions all over the place so right. stand <laughs> logical attacks and be like i don't care that just reinforces my stance which now there's been numerous uh studies that have come out and be like yeah when someone is confronted like uh, confronted with an opinion that goes flies in the face of theirs they just put up greater defenses. You're like, right? Yeah, right. You, you just yeah, you dig in further. Yeah, and that, there are no changing minds. That's the first almost. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say first flaw, but almost first. You know, because the the whole time we're seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, being charismatic and and all that. But then, yeah, when he gets challenged by what he believes and what he's teaching. That's when he flips. He's just like, you know, eventually, uh, I love the line, <laughs> he calls him a pig fuck. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> yeah. Does. When he finally snaps, yeah. he's held his composure this entire time. He's eloquent. He is making his points. And then ultimately, he just drops down to the mud like everybody else. Do, I mean, for shits and giggles, I mean, do you think at that moment he knows it's bullshit, but he's just, is he's just defending it still just because of course. this guy's challenging? Of course. Okay. Because the yeah. guy's asking him logical questions and right. their response because they're, he hasn't done the science behind it. Right. It, there is no proof. Like when they're uh, Joaquin and, and Hoffman are yelling at each other in the, the jail cell and they've got that. It's a beautiful two shot. Oh, it's amazing. Joaquin is like, it's bullshit. What facts? What facts? And he's like, I've given you facts. He's like, facts. What facts? Just over and over because you haven't. You just sold a story and people yeah. got into the story. Right. Yeah. And then in that moment, I mean, you got jo- Joaquin doing that and, you know, him him staying calm about it because he knows who Joaquin is. He knows he's lesser than him and he can totally manipulate this guy because he's he's lost. You know, I mean, I, I do think, the you know, the, the the big thing about theme about this movie is being, a you know, someone who's lost and, you know, uh, needing needing someone to guide them through life. Uh, you know, that's definitely a big theme uh, of this movie. Um, well, it's interesting because, you you know, the question of is Lancaster Dodd a fraud or a knowing fraud? And it's I think both of you made great points, which is that he never really even couches his language with, with uh, you know, something as simple as saying, well, it's a matter of faith or something, just to, just to allow some doubt. He essentially asserts these things as a, as a scientific fact, which opens yourself, I mean, at least, in other words, you know, maybe, you know, you, you just allow yourself some leeway by saying, you know, we're not 100% sure this is what I think. No, but he's like, this is history right. kind of a thing. And getting exposed like that, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe he he knew this was all bullshit. It's like, well, I was just a science fiction writer, which is L. Ron Hubbard, right? That's the criticism of him. I just wrote sci- sci-fi and then <laughs> came up with a religion along the way. <laughs> well, 
I mean, even back to the point of of Hoffman being a great casting. I mean, you can you can link this to to politicians. What they're saying, you know, people are following them because of how charismatic they are. Yeah. You know, certain politicians, you know, they're following them because oh, they're so charismatic. They sound like they know what they're talking about. It's it's it must be true, you know, because they're so sure about it. Uh, so definitely, you know. There's comparisons there as well. I do want to mention about the processing because uh, oh yeah, yeah is okay, I mean we've, we've talked about this again, but there might be some value in that. Um, not for the reasons that they're doing in the movie, but the kind of pointed questions. I I, I did feel like that in the film is the idea of uh, trying to get someone to know themselves and break down. I mean, this is a movie about trying to break someone down completely not you know not for great purposes because there is some he has a weird feeling for Joaquin Phoenix here which I, I don't think is completely normal I don't think he's completely trying to help him um, there is something there about them you know orbiting each other and uh, well I guess it was later explained in the movie that they knew each other back in what, the pigeon post or something in France maybe right, that explains yeah. it all <laughs> well according to Dowd they knew each other I finally figured it out yeah. Like, oh, okay. And we, what was it? All but eighty, you know, eighty-three of the eighty-five balloons we sent over. <laughs> of course, of course, you weren't shelled on day one. Uh, no, no, no. You had some glorious uh, thing where it could be a <laughs> operation, and okay. <laughs> It, yeah, is sure. that but is that i mean might as well just jump into it because we don't we don't worry about chronological here we can go back to other stuff but at the end there i mean is that uh him is that dodd trying to just make him feel better that hey you had a good life before and um you know you can stay here and you know you can you can continue with the cause they keep calling it the cause he's not the master he's master and you know he's uh is he, is he trying to make him feel better? Because after, you know, he says, if you leave, we're going to be in the next life. We're going to be sworn enemies. Yeah. Well, I think Hoffman, one of the reasons he likes him is because of his unyielding loyalty. He is basically a leashed dog and Hoffman can let him off the leash whenever he wants to. And Joaquin will attack whatever he is told and have yeah. that fierce loyalty around you is more than likely hard to come by in his world because people come and go. Mm-hmm. So, He's. I'm, I'm. I just assume he's trying to manipulate him one final time. Of it's, it's one or the other. It's black and white. At point. You can never leave again and come back. Like we are mortal enemies. Just trying to kind of browbeat him back into the loyalty that he used to show. That's that's a great point. But what do you think is happening? in that motorcycle scene when he says, you know, pick a point and then Joaquin Phoenix just keeps going and going and going. He lets him off the leash there in a sense. I mean, what do you think is happening there? It's like when my dog sees a rabbit off the leash and she goes until (laughs) until she can't catch the rabbit anymore. (laughs) He thought he'd train that dog and that dog just showed (laughs) up. He didn't. No, he didn't. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Yeah. I love it when he's just like, he cups... You know, makes a visor with his fingers over his eyes to look out over the horizon. <laughs> Since I, you're just waiting for the line of like, man, he's gone really far. <laughs> just, <laughs> just for a little comedic something or other. Of course, they don't do that. Uh, no. I just love the little, uh, you know, subtleties in acting. Like even, you know, the actors choose like uh, Hoffman. Like, again, uh, you know, he's There's such I, a presence. I, yeah, such a presence. And like, uh, I think so- watching... Uh, Watching a movie in subtitles really helps <laughs> because, yeah. you know, that when he's about to yell to, um, what's his name? I know it's Joaquin, but uh, 
Quell. Quell. Freddie Quell. Um, you know, he's about to yell to him. You know, the the uh, subtitles say inhales, and he's like, he's about to yell, but then he pauses, and then he yells. Like I don't know, just some <laughs> certain like little subtleties like that in acting. Just I don't know. Like he doesn't want to be a madman. Yeah, but he's like, still so pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's like trying he, to hold back. Yeah, he 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 still yells at him. You know, but it's like the. Dude, he cannot hear you. I trust yeah. me. You know? It was like when uh, um, Dowd's Dowd. daughter was cheering when he was on it. And he's like, he's right. far away. You're just doing this for yourself. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't think I said this. Good. I was going to say, I love that within the family that they all have different personalities around him. Because like his wife is just as devoted. The daughter wants nothing more than the approval of her father. Yeah. One thinks it's all bullshit. But it's a job, like, type of thing. Yeah, he's still there. When we go back to England, he's still there in a suit, working at the school, whatever the hell the school is. I'm not sure what that is. I'm sure he makes good money doing whatever he does for them. It's just like, (laughs) whatever it is. What what do you guys, uh, what's the scene with the the singing and the dancing? And then all of a sudden, Freddy, I keep wanting to say Peter Quill, but that's Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Freddy Quill. he starts imagining all the women naked during yeah. that. Like, what? What is that scene? What do you? What? What is your take on that? I'll just quickly say I thought it was just him and his. That's his animal. That's how he sees the world. As from like his, his animal brain is how he sees yeah. women. Essentially, it, like he views the world differently than most of us. And that's young, old, whatever. It's something I want to fuck <laughs> constantly. <laughs> that's my thought. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's nail on the head for me too. I, I can't find any other subtext to it that makes. If my brain can come up with an essence that rings is true. Uh, one, I think the exercise between the wall and the window. Do you guys have any? Did you guys find? Did you get a key to unlock that? Like the the processing scene, you know, on the boat. Like I felt more with that because it was just like it made sense and like he's you know totally given his emotions. And by the way, do you do you guys try not to blink during that scene too? Oh, it's impossible. I'm blinking within a half a second. <laughs> I the for when I saw him in the theater the first time, as soon as he announced that I was so engaged, I did it in the theater. I didn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've, tr- I've tried every time I've watched it. I've gone further than others, but you know, you're making it, and then eventually, just like this. Okay, no. <laughs> I tried turning uh, the ceiling fan off. Still in it. Right. <laughs> but um, don't you don't you think the wall and glass thing was okay? So at the end of the first session, you could see Joaquin instantly buying into this world. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that Hoffman needed him to kind of recommit emotionally and mentally. And when he finally tells Freddie to stop at the end and they break down and they hug, like yeah. he, he almost slinks into him because he needs the stability of Hoffman, both mentally and physically in that moment. I think it's just about that. It's, it's reestablishing that strong connection they had before and to get him to buy into this. Cause it's also within that sequence when the girl grabs his leg and in the middle of Hoffman's talking, and for the first time, he turned off his animal brain because he is yeah. engaged within this, and you know Hoffman put his meat hooks into him. So I just yeah, right. it was that it's part of the brainwashing. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely what you know. A lot of this, most of this is 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 brainwashing. Uh, you know, you get that scene. Uh, I wish I knew the actress's name. She's from Workaholics. Um, Don't have her name. 
Anyways, uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, we mentioned uh, uh, just real quick because Amy Adams is in this film as uh, as Hoffman's as Lancaster Dodd's wife. Yep. How great is she? Like in any movie, no matter what, she has this uh, something about the way she is, she or the way she carries herself. She can either be young or old. Right. She works as his wife, not as, as clearly he's older than her, but it doesn't. I don't know. She just has a way of fitting in into every circumstance she's in as an actress. She's yeah. so great. That's kind of how I feel about Hoffman too. I mean, he yeah. could he could fit. I mean, he's more, you know, he looks old, but I think him in um Joaquin Phoenix like, you know, he's like a father figure to Joaquin Phoenix, but I think in real life they're like 7 years apart. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman's like 7 years older than him. Oh, really? Um well, I don't God know. Rest his soul. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, obviously he was going through a lot of stuff in his personal life and and all that, died of overdose and just, just so sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wish we were getting more movies of his. Um, but uh yeah. Uh so I've got two questions. Yeah. If, if unless you guys have uh, something you want to get to now. No. <laughs> okay, go ahead. jump in. All right. Uh so uh sort of back to no, not quite but back to the glass in the wall, though it might relate. There's this idea of uh freedom which is the sea, right? We hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the prison of being on land sort of a thing. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, is he's, he's free in the sea. <laughs> and when he goes on land, it feels like, it feels like a prison. And then there's also yeah. there's the, there's the freedom of your, your spirit in this movie, and the prison is sort of your body, right? Yeah. That kind of a thing. So it's kind of like going back and forth and being able to, I think, find a balance. And I wonder, even if the... The, the the glass window and the wall is sort of like that too. The glass window is like freedom, your imagination. The wall is like the thing that closes on you that you can't get through, or something. And like that's that. what he punches and right. You know, yeah. it, it never goes. So I, I think there's those two things going against each other, and we've seen it in, in a few different ways, which then leads you to uh, if you can't find that balance within yourself in some way, because clearly Freddie can't. Um, question is if even Lancaster Dodd can, but uh, the idea of do you need a master, which we get the speech at the end of the film. Everybody serves some kind of a master, and Freddy's determined to not serve a master, although if you want to call it uh, turpentine or whatever, there could possibly be one. <laughs> uh, though he seemed more sober at the end. But what do you guys think of all that, of everything I said, or, or at least just the idea of uh, somebody serves some master of some sort, right? It could be, it could be, it could be a Lancaster Dodd. It could be alcohol. It could be money. It could be, I don't know. It could be your wife, even or something. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you guys think of that? Is it possible to live without a master? I'll let you take it. I'll let you take this one, Matt. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, when you open it up to be the umbrella for any kind of whether it's actual responsibility or vice or whatnot, then everybody serves a master. That yeah whatever you succumb to, even if it's like video games. There are times when you're jonesing to play video games. You want to get back to whatever you just bought. You've been so enraptured in the storyline or whatever the case is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Hoffman, I don't think, is technically wrong, although Freddie is willing to give it a shot. <laughs> that little bit of hope when he's just, he just looks back at him through his, like, he's looking up through his right, and he's just like, you know, fuck you. That's a chance I'm willing to take, man. You're like, yeah, I made it this far. You finally grew up. Like, there's welcome to adulthood. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I think it's accurate. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, to your point about the sea and the land, uh, we see the shot of the 
blue water um, with the engine, you yeah, know, churning, up, the, yeah. Yeah, churning yeah. it up, uh, you know, about three or four times in the film. So I, it's definitely, you know, he's definitely saying something about, you know, being at sea, being, you know, your own man, being, you know, you're, you're that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think this movie is trying to convey that it's not... Uh, because, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a, ma- a slave to his master of alcohol his whole life. He's, you know, he's going to be a slave to the master of his uh, sexual fantasies his whole life. I mean, obviously, I shouldn't say his whole life. I mean, maybe he can be fixed. You know, maybe there's hope for him. <laughs> but if we, if we narrow it down to that, yes, he's never going to f- find something that's not his master. But if we're not narrowing it down to that, this guy is totally going down his own path. I mean, I think that's why he rode down uh, in the motorcycle in that in that game. I think that's why he just kept going because he's he's his own man, you know? He's, yeah. And I, as you said about that quote at the end, I love that, you know? It says, if you find a way to live without a master, please let me know because you'll be the only man to ever have done that, you know? Um, so does it mean accepting... Uh, does it mean... It, it's not just the thing maybe about my vices, though, but just accepting that there is... Maybe something above me. Um, I mean, and not that it should be a person necessarily. We wouldn't want someone to t- <laughs> tell you what to do all the time, right? Uh, but there maybe is something above you that kind of—I don't—I don't know how to. I'm trying to think of it in a, in a stronger way than just you know p- pure vice or or, right. or or addiction. You know, some other form there. I, I think that's what it's trying to say. I'm, I'm a little bit lost for words, but I think there might be something more there. Uh, yeah, I think you know. You can apply it however you so choose. So, without a doubt, you could have a religious connotation with that. Yeah, it's interesting about the the wall versus glass as a juxtaposition of being on the sea versus being on land. Uh, I hadn't thought of it like that. And they, every he is he's carefree on the boat. Now we also see it post war. I mean, yeah. it's in yeah. essence done because they're not in any kind of action or whatnot. So perhaps, it's, you know, he's a little bit more carefree and the boat does now signify because he made it to the end. Yeah. A happy place. But during its time, I mean, I can't imagine what he say. They, how many battle commendations when he's having that little tete-a-tete with Rami Malik? It was like 13 or something crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They got three bronze stars something or as a ship. So they, they saw right. definite combat. Yeah, horrific. I think of the inverse. Like, there is the open sea and all that, but you're confined to the small aspect of the space that you're on. Mm -hmm. I've never – I read books about seafarers whatnot. I've read all the, you know, Magellan, all that jazz, Captain Cook, and then modern day, and I've got two family members that are in the Navy out on boats. It's like, I don't know how you do it, though. That's why I read about (laughs) it. couldn't live on a boat for six months. And back in the day, a year and a half, two years, maybe you die on this thing. Like, I don't know how you do that. That's not yeah. for me. That's that's prison. Yeah, no, no way. Yeah. Definitely not. There's a bit of irony there, right? Because you're out in the open ocean, but yet you're confined to this small area, right? And, and that maybe that's why he uh, drew on to, or you know glommed on to this cause, you know, to begin with, because you know there, when he first is introduced to it, it's on a boat. You know, it's yeah. on open seas. You know, he's he's learning about it in open seas. Does his processing in open seas? Uh, you know, uh, so I mean, I th- yeah, I think that's definitely a strong point about there. There's definitely <laughs> something here with the sea <laughs> versus the land. That's that's a hundred percent true. And I mean, you know, you look at all the land in front of him in that motorcycle scene. You know, he's 
he just wants to go you yeah. know it's uh uh so yeah uh yeah good point dave good point so for once for, no. <laughs> but maybe is it if we can maybe get into criticism a little bit is it it is a little well to call this movie unclear um <laughs> i think is a little bit of an understatement um and i think one of them is is lancaster dodd i mean as much as we as much as we've talked about him being that l ron hubbard figure it never really takes the plunge into it. It kind of dances around it. And I don't know, I don't want to speculate if that was pressure from the studio or not because we know Scientology has a has a is is big in Hollywood, I guess. By the way, Matt, uh just a few minutes in, in Clearwater south of us. I was before we started, I'd said that that was a sort of a city nearby us. The spiritual headquarters of Scientology is uh is right there in Clearwater. Yep. <laughs> so they have a presence here as well. Um but I just wanted to say um yeah, I don't know. It doesn't he never He's not a scam artist, really. Uh, the, he never. He's not stealing from any from anyone. Right. I think the, the city of Philadelphia begs to de- you know disagree. With that. <laughs> he lost eleven thousand dollars plus fifteen hundred dollars for damage to the boat. And what? Well, Nineteen fifty what five? So that's what is that eleven thousand worth in today's money? Yeah, it probably would have been a lot, a but, lot more. But was it someone who was someone who lent him a follower who lent him the boat and what he just stayed too long on no, it? No, no, he was. Uh, Practicing medicine, he like gave, practicing medicine without a license. I think was the main but was charge. It, was that just the? Well, the and I was going to call it auditing, but uh, processing is that essentially what? I think the gray area they're talking about is he had to pay back the foundation. So the foundation made a charitable contribution to him as either a religion or something along those lines, and it was technically illegal. And that's where they had the power to go. That's my assumption. Ah, okay. That he illegally. You know, they went through knowing full work. You can't do this, but it's like, oh, we're a religion type of. Okay. So maybe, yeah. I, I would have liked a little more. So, okay, so, so that was, okay, so so I'll take what I said back a little bit. But I, I felt like I would have liked a little bit more of, I, I didn't feel like he was a cult leader to me. I just thought he was a, a guy who people found enchanting and gave them a good explanation for their lives and were willing to give him his money. And in, in this case, he, he went a little bit too far with it. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I read that wrong that book reveal in phoenix or whatever there was definitely punch there so oh yeah very much cult leader you know any yeah, that's true people yeah, just invited I mean, it's that's dicey <laughs> territory as far as i'm concerned yeah i mean i i totally got the vibe of of cult and cult leader um you know just uh, especially when he was defend you know defending quote unquote uh his cause to that guy in the, in the mansion. Um, you know, it's all right. So two against one. I, I, yeah. You, I think I the <laughs> Laura Dern, when she asks him about the, right. when you're supposed to ask, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. this word, like that, that changes the whole connotation of meaning. And when he defends it with, you know, kind of a, how dare you, uh, he erupts. yeah, it's a, that's to me that you're not basing this on fact. So it's a cult. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, uh, and that, like you were saying, like it's a perfect character for Laura Dern. Like, it's oh, not, like such talk. a Laura Dern thing to say, like nitpick and be yeah. like, well, doesn't this change? Yeah. You know, but she's right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely changed. Yeah, she yeah. Before it's like uh, you're trying to go after her, like, you know, can you recall for me? And now it's can you imagine? Well, imagine is. Yeah. is yeah, oh yeah. So maybe so that's when maybe he, as I said earlier, that that's when he started hedging his bets a little bit, as to terms of like you know pure science into eh, right. Is it, well, who? Wait, he buried this thing in the desert for how long? 
I mean, it's not even, it's not a continuous work. He just put it in a chest. I, I don't know what the heck yeah, is going yeah, on with yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> His unpublished work that uh, Rami Malek was uh, afraid that, uh, you know, because he said, like, how much is something like that worth? And, and speaking of Rami Malek, I love that scene when, you know, when they're going back and forth, him and him and Joaquin uh, with, with, Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. there, uh, three on screen. We got three uh, lead Oscar winners now. Um, but anyway, uh, I love the, uh, you know, he keeps saying Doris and he says, don't say it again. And then like uh, Seymour Hoffman's like, uh, you know, you can't, you can't react to anything. <laughs> he says, don't say it again. And then Rami Malek's like, Doris. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. The, the way it was delivered, I don't know if it was meant to be comedic, but it just uh, it, it got to me. It was funny. There actually uh, were some funny mo- moments yeah. in this film, I think, because the tension is so high right, yeah. uh, throughout. And it, it, it is a lot of pitting people like, like directly psychologically against each other. It's going on yeah. in this film constantly. And I think that's, that's probably the most compelling thing about it. Uh, and to have, and, and again, to go back a little bit, to have someone asking you pointed questions and eventually if they keep at and then the, the repetition of it right Cause someone asks you once you're like no no i didn't sleep with my aunt come on man and then you ask me the third time like yeah like you're looking good and i right. did it <laughs> but you know it does it is a way of breaking you down and, and i guess the question is you know if i get broken how how good is it to be broken down to the point where i can find something within myself or are you taking advantage of me yeah kind of a thing definitely um i, I think in that instance it's it's breaking down his exterior for him yeah. to open up into accepting whatever try and tell him after that. So, so is Freddie Quell a hero? Yeah, are we meant to like Yeah, Freddy I don't know who, like I like, who I like here in this movie. Who, <laughs> who are we rooting for? <laughs> no one, really. Is there a protagonist? Is there an antagonist? <laughs> Not really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're following Freddie's storyline, so you know you want him to get out safe, but yeah, you're not... Pulling for the guy. So here's what I struggle with. I struggle with, is this a good movie? Uh, and I'm just laying it out here. on the. I'm putting my cards on the table here. I struggle with that because there are scenes that I love. And then there are things I don't love and don't understand and don't know what the point of it is. Um, and, and the movie stretches out for a long period of time. So I... I and I've seen this movie, you know, what I say, four or five times, something like that. And I enjoy it every time I watch it. But I do struggle with this fundamental question: Is this a good movie? <laughs> so I'll leave that to you two. To that, well, that's for you to decide. You know? I don't know. I'm still, I'm still waffling. I feel like. I think we should cut Dave's mic off because you're. <laughs> yeah. After this is just null and void. <laughs> In my eyes, I love this movie. I, I, there's nothing that uh, P.T. Anderson makes that I'm not, by and large, a huge fan of. I like it. I head out. It, it leaves <laughs> us to having this kind of conversation. Can, can right. you do this with Die Hard? Can you do this with other movies that we love, but it doesn't provoke no. in you the philosophical questions, the, okay, well, you're talking about the spiritual aspect of what do you believe in? What right. do you think for truth? Would you allow this, you know, accept this in your life type of thing? Whereas other times it's just fucking Transformers and shiny shit blowing up in front of you. Right. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, but... <laughs> yeah, we we've tried to do like, you know, and we still do, but you know, action movies and comedies like try to like talk about those on the show, but there's just so much like yeah, we'll quote and stuff. We'll just make a bunch of quotes on comedies and, you know, just talk about the set pieces and action movies. But yeah, this movie <laughs> this movie it it's not 
cut and dry. It's <laughs> and I think that's purposeful. Like I love art that you know. Uh, well, uh, just makes the, you think. There will be blood. Isn't cut and dry either. And there is really no clear protagonist or antagonist exactly. But uh, you do see you're sort of studying a character, and uh, so I think I think that movie is, is is a better movie than this one. So I think there's there's more there, and there will be blood. Not to say that there's there there's plenty here in this film. Right. Um, so I think it's a step below. I guess is where what I'll say if, if I'm allowed yeah. to speak, man. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard you. I don't know why I'm responding to a question. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but I think it, within there will be blood. Plainview is clearly the guy that you're rooting for, even though you know he's a despicable individual. Yeah. It was. I was. I wanted him to bludgeon Paul Dano at the end. I loved the ending. I thought that movie was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, here's what I'll say. I actually, and I, you know, maybe this is a disturbing reveal, but I think I said this in the show. I actually see a little bit of myself in Daniel Plainview, just a bit. I do, I do see it. Uh, that anger, that you know, that frustration, you know, uh, or, or something like that, or, or, or just a little. I do see that that rage inside of him. Whereas I have a hard time identifying with these characters well, in this film. I, I get, I get that too. I mean, you you do, you know, they're exaggerated versions. You know, these kind of characters are exaggerated versions of what you might. Um, how your personality might be sometimes, yeah. how someone you know might be sometimes. <laughs> they are exaggerated versions of, of of that in Peter or not Peter Quill. <laughs> I keep doing that. Oh, I hate Freddie you. Quill. <laughs> I uh, hate you. <laughs> Freddie Quill. You know, he could be an exaggeration of you know someone who suffers from addiction, someone who yeah. you know is uh, a lost soul trying to find their way in this world. You know, it and, is addiction, right? Yeah. yeah, chemicals and sex and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, well, I guess, you know, Lancaster Dodd uh, has some sort of addiction, too, to what the praise of people to say anything to, to get their adoration and their cash, you know, that kind of a thing. Plainview exists in a world that you can understand. And he's someone that you may have known. Whereas I've never met L. Ron Hubbard and I've never met anybody like Freddie Quill. Yeah. For me to identify with them because they're so they're anomalies to me within society. Whereas Plainview, I've known guys that are kind of like that, right? They're just ruthless and cutthroat, and they this is you know this is my ultimate goal. And you know their motivation, just like so be it. Uh, so I think that disconnect of you not being able to identify with them was intentional. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, it did make me think, am I an ancient spirit? Um, so that, I hadn't, hadn't, had not had that thought in a long time. <laughs> the most likable character in that is his son because he's like, it's all bullshit. And you're like, yeah. oh, this, this kid seems <laughs> Yeah, what do you say? Uh, he's he, making it up as he goes along or something? Yeah, yeah. He, he's the audience in that moment. He's, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's a guy just like, yeah, you know, it's interesting to watch, but it's utter horse shit. You're like, all right, well, you know, I can identify with that. Right. <laughs> Definitely. What uh, one of the last things I want to mention is uh, is he is Doris haunting him? Is this Doris like is this someone he's trying to get to? Like is this That's a good question. Is this uh What's you know this Doris thing? Yeah, cuz you know, he he that's the vision he gets when he's in processing. That's the the comforting vision he gets. Underage doors. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> I guess it was okay. It was okay. It was a different time. It was a different time. They didn't do anything and right. he's going to war, so by the time he right. got back, she would have been eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. yeah, so we good. We good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but uh, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, Doris. I mean, there's there's definitely something there. I mean, because I, I after he rides off with the motorcycle, he tries to go to her house. Her mom's there, and he's you know trying to talk to her. Doris is married now, and you know he's kind of distraught about that. Uh, so yeah, there's uh, you know is that the master he never quite got, or or like the the grounding that he could never quite get t- to, yeah. or something. I don't want to call it a master, but I'm trying to think of. You know, something that could tame you. Because Lancaster Dodd, in a way, like the dog on the leash thing, Matt, he couldn't quite tame him. He could put him on the leash, but he didn't, you know, if he took him off the leash, he'd run away. Uh, so it was that it. Was he yearning for something, a, a compassionate? And we see that, that sex scene at the end, and that seemed very different, right? The interaction yeah. going on there, that tenderness he was getting. Um, he seemed like so, an adult. Yeah. Was that the, the first that time? Year? Was he, was that a, essentially a yearning inside of him for 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 to complete himself as a as a person kind of a thing? Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah I, I just took the so I put myself in his shoes when he was like you know when he broke down and said Doris, and then understanding that motivation is he couldn't go back to her because he didn't like who he'd become, and that's more than likely what propelled his drinking. That with like you know we see him early on with the army saying you you have PTSD. Uh, yeah. They don't, don't you know. So shell shock or whatever, yeah. Shell shell shock be World War One. I. I don't know what they called it. Battle fatigue. Okay. By the time World War Two was done. So whatever, like we've seen it in numerous movies. Like you ever seen Mudbound? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're drinking after they get back because they just they can't reacclimate yet, and the society at, at at large didn't understand that you would come back and bring these war wounds with you. The scars carry with you, and they take time to heal. So he was kind of a destroyed individual, and that's why he didn't go back to her is because he didn't like who he was and how what he'd become. And that's the idealized version of how everything would have turned out great had I been with her. And then once he's matured and gotten out and grown up a little bit, he jets off on that motorcycle. He's finally willing to basically move on with his life. Mm-hmm. And she's already moved on with hers. That's, yeah. I just put myself in his shoes and be like, I'm assuming that's why he did this. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it is a bit sad, right? I mean – because he's he's been flirting with. Meanwhile, he's wasting how many years with Lancaster Dodd? Seven, eight, something like that. Yeah, I don't know exactly. It's a long time. Yeah. Was yeah. she was. Uh, what? How old was Doris? Twenty three when? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and she was sixteen when he got out yeah, so of the nine, movie. Seven years. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, and Dowd seven years. That's a long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then. Uh, the the phone call in the movie theater was a dream, right? That he received like the London. I've never seen such a thing in my life. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like that, okay, I don't know. Well, you're watching. You're like, is that shit? Do they? Did they? What, they did that. They did. Yeah. That. How would he know he's in the theater? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he keeps asking, and then when they, sh- you know, shows up. So when he shows up in England, there is that yeah. like, why are you here? What did you expect to get out of this? And almost as though he didn't call, but then, you know, uh, uh, um, Quill mentions right. when you were on the phone, you were going to tell me where we came, you know, where we knew each other from. So there's the acknowledgement that Hoffman did make the phone call. So I, I don't know because dream yeah. makes a lot of sense, but then there's confirmation, I believe, later on that it happened. So or I are they just connected spiritually, guys? Come on, open up your yeah. spiritual brains. On, Could be. Could be. Who knows? <laughs> Now it's all real. Did any of you guys run to Seven Eleven and buy a pack of Cools after seeing this film? <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, I smoked <laughs> high school every once and again. I did not uh, <laughs> for a long time. I love the minty taste. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and then uh, you know the last uh, kind of scene besides the sex scene that you mentioned, um, you know, is is Lancaster Dodd singing to Peter Quill, which I I, I liked the scene. I I felt a lot in it. I don't really know what he was trying to say. <laughs> like, you know, I, I want to send you down. I forget what this, how the song goes. My little ch- China doll or something. <laughs> I, I forget. Yeah. I want to, uh, uh, I don't know what was going on in the scene. China, like a, yeah, basically I want to yeah. send you type of two China. I think this would have been a good time to put the credits on. Yeah. Philip. <laughs> I, I liked it. Okay, I, mean, I, I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman was great at it. Like it just, it captivated me like it, uh, Joaquin Phoenix emotion while he's singing it. I don't know. It just, uh, it, it felt like a fitting end to them because, you know, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Hoffman's character is so like, everything's an applause after, like when they wrestle after Peter Quill. Yeah. Peter, yeah. Oh, I said Peter Quill. When they wrestle after Freddie Quell oh gets out of God. jail, uh, you know he's you know they wrestle a little bit, which is weird. Um, and, then, uh, <laughs> and then they get up and he claps like, ah, oh, yes, like he's so it's such a like a showman, yeah. uh, which you know we were kind of touching on earlier. Well, doesn't he look brilliant in his like his suits when he's like he's got this posture? Yeah. And he's go ahead. Yeah. No, I was something? just gonna no. say. <laughs> I was just saying. Like, I, I just love watching him. This watch. movie baffled me so much. This is the first time where I've actually, you know, I, I was the thoughts up until here have been my own. But I did look up what <laughs> okay. other people were saying, analysis wise, on this movie. Oh, come on. I know. I'm sorry. This is bullshit. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of. A you gotta lot have of, your own original thoughts, even if they're stupid like mine. I know, and I'm disclosing this as a non. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> idiot right here. Be an idiot. Um, an original so, idiot. Sorry. So no. one one thing <laughs> is that this is a film about actors. You got uh, Freddie Quill, <laughs> Freddie Quill, <laughs> who is the Marlon Brando type. He's veering off into the method acting, whereas Philip Seymour Hoffman character is more the actors before him. You know, the actors. Um, I can't. Uh, there was a specific name that they brought up uh, in in the article I read, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I can totally see that. You know, you got Joaquin Phoenix talking on the side of his mouth, always sounding drunk, like total like method acting, hunched over. Yeah, and then like Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, oh, like you know, like classic classical acting. You yeah, know? And, and you know that people see, are saying yeah. there's like a comparison with that. That like, makes sense. That's um, interesting. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard that before. Yeah, so I didn't either until I looked it up because <laughs> I'm I'm a cheater. <laughs> that actually is is great. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic show. You'd see him almost like as a circus ringleader or something. Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Making a speech and you know being larger than life. Right. He literally is, and he's so freaking great at it, and so so sad that and one, he's not with us anymore. Yeah, uh, and one more thing I wanted to ask. I mean, is. Uh, uh, Again, what it, what is it about Freddie Quell that Lancaster Dodd is so attached to? Uh, is it you know? Does he see his former self in that? Does he see a, a polar opposite? Like what what is it that he sees in Freddie Quell? To me, it quickly is that he can't tame him, Matt. You? Oh, um, <laughs> well, I mean, from what I've said before, he could sense the loyalty and all that, but I. You know, after I've seen it several times now and I get to the end and I think part of the motivation of why he's so drawn to Freddie is 
the idea within him that if if I can't convert him, then it's going to be so much more difficult for all these other. Like this is a challenge, and I need to be able to tame this beast. Yeah, uh, yeah. it'll only give him further confidence to go out because he knows how to deal with all these others. And this one, this one's a, you know a key one to him on some level. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, definitely. And then and, and then Peter, uh, Freddie, I, I just hate you. <laughs> just it's Freddie, man, or just say Joaquin Phoenix and make okay. it easier. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, he is drawn to Lancaster Dodd. I I have no problem saying that. Uh, He is (laughs) attached to him because he's the only one that has actually accepted him. He's the only one that is actually, as he says in the jail cell, I'm the only one who likes you. I'm, you know, I'm the only one here. Freddie sees, you know, a community that he's never, he's never been a part of one. So I think that's part of the reason that he was, you know, drawn to it. Yeah. Out could sense that, and he can rope him in because he's really good at getting people on board to what his cause is. Definitely, and we talked about unintentionally funny. And Matt, you talked about this, the jail scene, and Benny just mentioned it. Is how how uh, how Freddie is, you know, was he banging his head against things and breaking the toilet? And Lancaster Dodd is just sitting there, like with his hand on his hip, you know, just talking to him calmly. Right. That to me is is a bit of comedy, right? right. You know? No, definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, but it's both of their approaches. Hoffman knowing that there's nothing he can do right now, so expending the energy and destroying his toilet doesn't make sense. <laughs> and Freddie is lashing out at being caged again. It just yeah. does not, just does not care for it. Yeah. It's just, the toilet is when it's really egregious. Like you're an idiot. <laughs> It's fine to kick these bars and yeah. you know muss up the beds, but what are you just gonna? Uh, you, you what are you gonna yeah, going to go in the corner? Like what? Yeah. Are you gonna do? <laughs> exactly. And right after that, Dodd takes a piss, right? So where's Freddie gonna yeah. piss? Good point. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right He's kind of rubbing his right nose in his own stupidity. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking dog, man. <laughs> yeah. I I honestly think you could you could break this film down so much more for hours. Like it's, it's there's so much here. Yeah. Uh but I, I think we definitely covered a lot of it. Uh Matt, was there anything else and I don't know if you have notes or anything like that you wanted to mention about the film? Check or, your notes, Matt, please. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> Go through your notes. I mean, yeah, I've never taken notes for anything ever. So Great. Uh, uh the master bless you. I was gonna say God bless you, but the master bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Homework. I already home. have enough homework. I don't need to create written homework. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I write it as the, I'm watching the movie, you know. So it's not, you know, uh, double. It's why, it's why I got out of the schmo down, dudes. Yeah. Be like, oh, dude, I studied for three hours last night. Be like, fuck off, man. Fuck yeah. Off. <laughs> <laughs> I have real things to do in my life than to study. Yeah. questions for. <laughs> and once like, everybody started doing it, just like, okay, well, I'm finished with this. It'd be nice if it was an off the top of your head kind of deal, and then once it becomes like, oh, it's like a yeah, like a college course. Then this is this is we're, yeah. we seem like we're missing something here. Now this, there's a skill within that. I am not denigrating it. It's just not yeah, something yeah. I want to spend my time doing. I would. <laughs> so now, that, I'm, do you think uh, people take it a little too seriously sometimes, or is it uh, full entertaining? Like, I, I think, um, rightly so. Uh, people take it seriously. No one's no one's really fucking about, you know. And if you're going to go through the process of doing it, you know, that makes all the sense to me. And that's one of the reasons I told Christian eventually I was done. It's like, you know, look at, the, look at the joy that everybody else has in all aspects of this. I like the game, but the wrestling stuff, like I stopped watching wrestling when I was a kid. So cutting the... <laughs> it was just not my cup of tea. That's why the, the last one I did with 
Bibiani, he was, I mean, his, his, his energy was boundless when it came to like, boom, what about we do this and this and this? And it's like, man, I just want to show up and answer questions. That's <laughs> yeah. This like, is my 15th or 20th of these. Like, I don't want to do this every, because that's, that's kind of how I feel. I would want to be like, just like, I just want to see what I know. Like if I know yeah. it, great. If you know, yeah. <laughs> I and this was a fun game and now it's turned into a show. And there's right. Yeah. It's great. I just I signed on for a fun game, and then <laughs> yeah. others wanted to the show. And that's it. Make the show. People love the show. Got yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, makes it you know it does whatever they all want it to do. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, <laughs> now we do uh, a rating system here uh, at Blockbuster Mentality. Uh, at the end of each film we discuss, uh, we do it out of stars and buckets of popcorn. Stars are the quality of the film, so like your Citizen Kane's, your you know uh, Godfather's, and then buckets of popcorn. You know those are your diehards. Those are your you know entertainment value. So quality is stars. Entertainment value is popcorn. Uh, let Dave start. Uh, so yeah, this is five. on a scale of one to five. We'll allow, we allow halves. Um, I don't do halves, but Ben does halves. You, can, you can't you can do a third, Matt, uh, but we'll allow a half. Yeah, so start. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is. You can mute my microphone if you'd like. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, this is one that, I, the, one that I've seen many times, a film that I... Uh, that I, I I think I liked it more. <laughs> I think I liked it more the first time I saw it, and in subsequent viewings, I've gotten as I've maybe analyzed it a bit. It's fallen a bit, and that's why I said uh, to much anger that I wasn't sure if it's a good movie. I do think it is a good movie. So in terms of but so in terms of stars, I'm going to give it three out of five stars. The issue with me, what why it doesn't get say four or five stars is. This movie never really hits me in the feels. There are a lot of movies that do. And even just talking uh, one of our latest movies, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Man of Steel. That movie hits me in the feels. It's not a perfect film, but there are like, I'd say about five scenes in that where I'm like, yeah, this is doing something to me inside. I never quite connect with this film. There's something quite missing in this movie. Uh, so that's why I'm going to just give it three stars. And in terms of buckets of popcorn, I mean, this thing's what, two and a half hours long. I don't know why it could be an hour and 45 minutes. I think you could tell this whole story. Uh, so I'm going to give it two buckets of popcorn. So three stars, two buckets. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like the more I watch it and now that we've analyzed it and broken it down, I appreciate it even more. Uh, so I'm actually going to give it four out of five stars. Again, it, it has to do with, you know, just Paul Thomas Anderson's, you know, even, even the camera work, the, the cinematography, everything like that. Um, uh, I think this story is a lot, like I said, we could have spoken for three more hours about this, you know, and broken everything down. Uh, so I give it four stars. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it is a little long. It's not very, uh, entertaining. There's the comedic elements. I give it two buckets of popcorn. So four stars and two buckets of popcorn. Um, it's a five out of five, guys. What are we talking? Oh, about? wow! <laughs> Look at that. Well, I think because it 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 speaks to a lot of stuff that I like in movies, and that's just for me personally. I think for the average person, like I couldn't I couldn't pay my wife to watch this. Right. Yeah. My wife walked out last night. She, she yeah. refused. <laughs> it's a it's a one and a one, and she wishes she could go lower. <laughs> I know that going into because that's. 
that's what now I think of them as uh, what's the point movies because that's what she says at the end of a movie. <laughs> what's the point? Does she like any Paul Thomas Anderson? By the way, just to I, mean, I, like, I don't know, but okay. like where that came from was we saw Boyhood and I walked okay. out. And I was impressed by the achievement. I liked the movie a lot, and yeah. you know to take that long. And she just like, well, what was the point? And I was like, <laughs> you're showing a snapshot of someone's life, and you're just kind of going through and experiencing it with them. And she's like, right, okay. I don't care. And you're like, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so I think for the average person, like popcorns, it's probably like a two. Right. Yeah. That's what we try to average. Like our popcorn rating is more like the average person. Like, are they going to find this entertaining? Yeah. This isn't Avengers uh, Endgame, right? Or like for, like. for cinephiles and things like that. Like it's, you know, people are going to, you know, for you yeah, know, real you want movie a high stuff. quality movie, but at this right. point I think they know all our feelings on it. So, yeah, right. Quality content and all that jazz. Uh, it's a still a five, but the popcorn aspect of like, is this an everyman movie? No, it's not. It's selective kind of. You either buy into it or you don't. I do that more often when not with with Anderson, but there are other guys like Malik. I just don't get. I don't. Yeah. That to me is just what was the what was the point of that? And I love what was the point <laughs> movies. <laughs> Uh, that's like Brave New World, Terrence Malick, Brave New World. For some reason, I love that movie. And that, anyways, but go ahead. We'll leave that aside. <laughs> I don't know why. Because they're like that for me. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. It was beautiful, but I was bored. Yeah. yeah. They are like that. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You either buy in or you don't. Exactly. Anderson is a little bit better. because you know, the stories move at a quicker pace and whatnot. So you can hook in more people, but it's long. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. Two, 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 what was it? Two hours twenty minutes. Two Something and a half like that. hours. I don't have yeah, exactly. I mean, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not, but he not does get the cool. most out of his actors. I will give him that. I mean, yeah. uh, there was no bad perform. No actor comes off bad. I mean, everyone. There's every, every single character, even if it's just one line, it's delivered really well. You know. Um, all right. Well, that is the master. Um, <laughs> good stuff here. Again, we could have go. You probably could have went on and on about it. And uh, Matt Nost, uh, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me anywhere at Matt Nost. M a t t k n o s t. Yeah, Matt. What's what are before? Yeah, before we leave here, what what is all the stuff that you do? Where can people find you? What what are your you know what's what's going on? We got the top ten show. You have anything else going on where people can uh, connect with you? Um, I mean, both my other podcasts are on hiatus. So right now it's just basically the top 10 for stuff that I do online. Um, okay. I'm doing home improvement stuff with the rest of my time right now. So nice. Is there a way people be on if they like or give you a hand? Yeah, sure. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Not a problem. I have like four or five big. If anybody out there wants to come out and help out, you are. What do you got? Let's let's talk to it. You got it. You're doing a kitchen. You've got a bathroom. What's going on? closet uh tomorrow <laughs> i'm running electrical and then okay. i'm taping off um painting let's see one two three four rooms oh wow <laughs> well, oh, yeah and then after that i'm gonna retile the kitchen oh my wow. goodness yeah i've got i've got quite a few projects so yeah i'm not online much outside of just doing shows and then uh, i get off and i go back to working on my house <laughs> So if people want to show, uh, if people want to show about your house, how can they contact you online if they want to yeah. do some free labor? What, what is your? Is, <laughs> you need to show about my address, which is sixty two thirty four. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> Los Angeles. 
You can't miss it. Nine double O piss off. All right, Matt. Well, again, you're you're welcome anytime. I, we had a lot of fun with you, and uh, yeah, again, welcome anytime. Hope we can. Uh, oh, do you it guys again. do have a Patreon oh, for the okay. top ten show, right? Maybe we can point people. Uh, yeah, that. hit us up at uh, Patreon.com forward slash the top ten with the number ten. Um, we got all the do extra two, three extra shows, you know, or two shows a week. It'll be on average. Again, nice. next month we canceled or not canceled, but retired one show. We're putting in a new show in its place. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, I love the top 10 show, and I would encourage everyone to uh, give a listen. Yep, definitely. All right, folks. Well, that is it for us. Uh, you can follow us at BlockbusterCast on Twitter. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Dave, where can they find you? You can find me at Dave underscore Quist. I am at BC Cord. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, the master, Paul Thomas Anderson, Joaquin Phoenix, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, format. And Dave, I'm Ben, and as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks, we'll catch you guys at the movies. Movies.